Excerpts from Chapter 2 Afterthought Even as questions surrounding the establishment of a popular and responsible government in Jammu and Kashmir dominated India's concerns, the Constituent Assembly of India continued with its work. On 21 February 1948, a draft constitution was prepared by the drafting committee chaired by Dr. B. R. Ambedkar. Article 225 of the draft constitution circumscribed parliament's power to make laws for the princely states. It made this power subject to the terms of the instrument of accession that these states had signed with India. However, Rao, in a note on behalf of the Ministry of States, suggested that this provision was not enough to provide for the special position of Jammu and Kashmir. Instead, he asked, would it be possible to have a transitional provision keeping alive the present instrument of accession of the state under the new constitution until we know what the ultimate position of the state will be this appears to be the first articulation of the need for a transitional provision in respect of jammu and kashmir such a need had never really arisen in the midst of the wrangling over jammu and kashmir in the un and mediating in the dispute between the maharaja and sheikh abdullah the ultimate position of the state as rao indicated was unclear this state of affairs underlined the need for flexibility in respect of jammu and kashmir's ultimate position in the indian constitution section a maharaja versus abdullah the internal constitutional question The continuing public differences between the Maharaja and Sheikh Abdullah were debilitating India's image internationally and Nehru stated almost ominously that it is no longer safe for us to allow matters to drift. He referred to a previous discussion with Sardar Patel which involved Ayyengar as well where it was decided that the future of the monarchy in Jammu and Kashmir should be decided by the people of Jammu and Kashmir acting through a constituent assembly. To make this happen he suggested that the maharaja should be asked to leave the state for a while on 15 and 16 may 1949 meetings were held at sardar patel's residence involving leaders of the national conference and their counterparts in the indian national congress including nehru abdullah and ayyengar on the future of the state aside from questions pertaining to the state forces in the indian army These critical meetings also discussed the framing of the state's constitution, the subjects that the state would accede to India, and the future of the Dogra monarchy. Two days later, on 18 May 1949, Nehru sent a draft to Abdullah, which summarized the agreements that the two parties had arrived at in their meetings. This draft clearly stated India's policy regarding the aforesaid subjects, that the constitution of the state. the subjects of accession in addition to those contained in the instrument of accession and questions relating to the state's monarchy should be determined by the people of the state represented in a constituent assembly even at this pivotal stage however there is reason to believe that sheikh abdullah's primary concerns lay with the internal constitutional question that is power sharing with the maharaja On 21 May 1949 Nehru wrote We are convinced that Kashmir's future lies with India it will be for the constituent assembly of Kashmir whenever it meets 
to draw its constitution. That constitution will necessarily be based on the accession of Kashmir to India and on the three subjects mentioned above. Any further arrangements will have to be by mutual consent. It is clear that the future of Kashmir lies as an autonomous unit of this Indian Union or, if I may say so, of the Indian Republic that is coming soon. Quotes closed. The reference to the Indian Republic that is coming soon must be seen in light of the proceedings in the Indian Constituent Assembly that were entering their final stretch. With the Maharaja effectively forced out of the state and the Indian Republic close at hand, the external constitutional question, that is, Jammu and Kashmir's position within the Indian Union, was set to take centre stage at long last. It was perhaps anticipated at this point that a constitutional provision would soon be on the cards. Section B. Jammu and Kashmir versus India. The external constitutional question. The action moved to the Indian Constituent Assembly to reflect this changed state of affairs. The Ministry of States prepared a note for the consideration of the drafting committee that proposed multiple amendments to the constitution. According to the note, while ideally the Indian government would have liked to treat Jammu and Kashmir just like the other princely states, this was not possible in the circumstances. It cited Sheikh Abdullah's stated inability to extend the content of the accession of the state until the constituent assembly of the state has taken a decision in the matter. The Jammu and Kashmir Prime Minister's preference was to continue the accession only with respect to the three subjects of defence, foreign affairs and communication. Regarding the rest, the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly would decide first before any assurances could be given to the drafters of the Indian Constitution. This was a chicken and egg situation as without the Indian Constitution, the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly would not have the power to make such a recommendation. In the same breath, without the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly, the Indian Constitution could make no final provision bringing Jammu and Kashmir in line with other princely states. In recognition of this impasse, the Indian government understandably considered it desirable that the accession of the state should be continued on the existing basis till the state could be brought to the level of other states. A special provision was recommended as a transitional arrangement which could provide that the power of parliament to make laws for Jammu and Kashmir should be limited to the three subjects mentioned in the instrument of accession or to those entries in the union list that corresponded to those subjects. This arrangement could continue until parliament provided by law that all constitutional provisions applicable to other princely states will apply to Jammu and Kashmir as well. While the above note spoke of these matters generally, a letter containing the draft amendments themselves was received by the drafting committee on 26th September 1949. It was in this draft that a new Article 306A titled Temporary Provisions with Respect to the State of Jammu and Kashmir was proposed. This was a special provision for Jammu and Kashmir and was in line with B. N. Rao's earlier suggestion for having a transitional provision for the state and with the ministry's note calling for such a transitional arrangement. However, aside from being a transitional arrangement, the contents of this draft significantly deviated from the recommendations in the ministry's note. This provision was possibly the first formal precursor to Article 370.
After several drafts were exchanged, it was becoming clear that the transitional special provision would mainly address four points. First, the question of the matters over which the Indian Parliament could make laws for Jammu and Kashmir. Second, the question of which constitutional provisions, if any, would automatically apply to Jammu and Kashmir. Both these points were sought to be linked to the subjects of accession and the role of the President and the Jammu and Kashmir government in determining their scope had to be defined. Third, a definition of the Jammu and Kashmir government in order to expressly demarcate the role of the Maharaja vis-à-vis the cabinet. Fourth, the transitional nature of the provision and the role of the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly and the President in terminating or modifying it. The skeleton of Article 370 was in place. Iyengar's speech when moving his fourth draft of Article 306A in the Constituent Assembly once again highlighted the rationale behind this provision. He explained that the discrimination in case of Jammu and Kashmir compared to the other princely states was owing to certain special conditions due to which Jammu and Kashmir was not yet ready to be integrated in the manner that the other princely states had been. Specifically, he cited the war with Pakistan, the ongoing ceasefire and the existence of Pakistan-occupied territories within the state. The Indian government's commitment to holding a plebiscite in Jammu and Kashmir and the promise that had been made regarding a Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly that would determine the state's constitution. He explained that until the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly came into being, only an interim arrangement was possible and that his draft of Article 306A was an attempt to establish such an arrangement. He concluded, it is the hope of everybody here that in due course, even Jammu and Kashmir will become ripe for the same sort of integration as has taken place in the case of other states. Ultimately, accompanied by considerable discontent among the National Conference members, the special provision that was long in the offing had finally been inserted into the draft Indian constitution. The date on which it was introduced in the Constituent Assembly, 17 October 1949, was the last day of the second reading of the draft constitution. In the final constitution, after the provisions were renumbered and some minor changes were made, Iyengar's fourth draft of Article 306A became Article 370. Section C. A temporary provision takes root. It is quite clear from this account that for most of this critical period in the history of Jammu and Kashmir, Article 370 and the constitutional relationship of the state vis-à-vis India was not negotiated with a view to finally settle the integration question. At the time, there were multiple fires that need to be doused, from the delicate diplomacy that was needed at the UN, to the careful military strategy that was demanded in the battlegrounds of Jammu and Kashmir, to the deft statesmanship required to handle the many quarrels between Sheikh Abdullah and the Maharaja. As Nehru put it in 1952 when speaking in the Lok Sabha, Jammu and Kashmir's integration was deliberately put on hold and did not go on like the other princely states. At the same time, the Indian constitution was almost ready and we could not leave everything quite vague and fluid there. Something had to be stated in our constitution about Jammu and Kashmir state. 
So while a more precise definition of the constitutional relationship was deemed necessary, the idea was to retain a certain fluidity while gradually developing that relationship. The oft-quoted will of the people was again cited, referring to the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly's important role. All of this coalesced into a special provision, which was intended as a placeholder of sorts until the relationship was fully and finally developed. Did the text of Article 370, as finally adopted, succeed in capturing the essence of this exceptional, fluid and finely poised state of affairs? This is an important question because historical accounts only capture the intention that the framers of a constitutional provision had and the context in which it was drafted originally. However, the text of the provision itself can sometimes leave the door open to interpretations that were not envisaged at the time, but are nevertheless possible. Iyengar, for instance, was quite categorical about Article 370 being only an interim arrangement and about the hope that, in due course, Jammu and Kashmir would become ripe for the same sort of integration as the other princely states. But there was nothing in the text of Article 370, as finally adopted, that necessarily pointed towards this particular outcome. It only contained a special procedure through which full integration may or may not be achieved. There was nothing in it that even stated that it was a provision meant to be interim in nature. Instead, it was expected that the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly, which was not in existence at the time, would replace this interim and transitional arrangement with a permanent one. This permanent arrangement arrived at by means of the Constituent Assembly representing the will of the people of Jammu and Kashmir may or may not have involved special status. There is nothing in the text of Article 370 that reveals any preference in terms of the nature of the permanent arrangement. In fact, aside from the title of the provision, which labels it as a temporary provision, there is arguably nothing in the text itself to suggest that a distinct permanent arrangement is envisaged at all, let alone its contents. There is only the frequently expressed hope by Nehru and Ayangar that over time Jammu and Kashmir would be ready for full integration with India. The text of the article is entirely silent on any such substantive outcome. The essence of Article 370, on the basis of its text alone, appears to be the emphasis on collective decision-making by the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly and the Jammu and Kashmir government on the one hand and the President of the Indian Union on the other in determining the constitutional relationship between Jammu and Kashmir and India. It enshrines the principle that no major decision with respect to Parliament's jurisdiction over Jammu and Kashmir or with respect to the Indian Constitution's applicability to Jammu and Kashmir, including with respect to Article 370 itself, will be taken without the will of the people of Jammu and Kashmir being accounted for in some form. Article 370 thus appears to mainly provide a guarantee and an assurance against the possibility of unilateral decisions being taken by anyone on the above questions. As such, it deals with the procedure to be followed when taking such decisions and not with the contents of the decisions themselves. These were left to the wisdom of political leaders in Srinagar and New Delhi and the consensus they would be able to reach as time went by. So while it established a constitutional procedure that operationalized the principle that the will of the people of Jammu and Kashmir will be taken into account, 
it also left the door open for all kinds of special arrangements provided that its procedure was followed article 370 theoretically left it possible for jammu and kashmir to never be integrated in the way that the other princely states were at the same time it also made it possible for such an integration to be achieved fully without any autonomy whatsoever being retained by jammu and kashmir very simply article 370 was about the procedure that was to be followed when constitutional decisions pertaining to jammu and kashmir were to be made not about what those decisions were substantively meant to be this was perhaps because contrary to current wisdom article 370 was never seen as the central puzzle of the jammu and kashmir question the crux of that question was always located elsewhere this view proved catastrophically mistaken as article 370 outlived nehru abdullah patel ayangar and all the leading actors carrying on negotiations between jammu and kashmir and india at the time and when this placeholder became seemingly permanent the perplexing back and forth seen during the drafting of article 370 assumed seemingly irreversible relevance this was not because of what article 370 created but by what it failed to do to state unequivocally that it was a temporary provision with a defined end date